everyone, welcome back to my channel. So, I've decided we're going to continue with our Drac von Stoller collection. Drac von Stoller is available on Google Play Store Books. Google Play Store Books has quite literally hundreds of free books to enjoy, guys. Why not try it out? But one of my favourites collection is the Drac von Stoller collection. He writes short stories, but I've always liked them. This one is called Hellhounds. In a little town called Linville, it is said that a witch was burned at the stake deep in the woods and just before a body went up in flames, she said. Anyone that enters these woods will not leave alive. Mark my words. One of the townspeople said, Burn, witch, burn. Then everyone chanted, Burn, witch, burn. The witch went up in flames, and the townspeople went back to their homes, thinking the witch was gone for good. But this witch was about to unleash the hell she promised beyond the smouldering ashes where a charred body lay. As night set in and the townspeople were fast asleep, and the time was 3am on all their clocks, which was known as the witching hour. That's when things were unfolding deep in the woods. A howling sound was gradually getting louder deep in the woods until some of the townspeople were unable to sleep. So... They got their guns and torches and headed deep into the woods to investigate the howling sounds. Then, as they got closer to where the howling sounds were coming from, all hell broke loose on them. The demon-possessed hounds were attacking the mob of townspeople like they hadn't had a meal in days. The hounds' eyes were blazing red as fire, and the horde of townspeople were screaming and moaning and begging for the hounds to let them live. But these hounds from hell weren't about to back off and let their tasty meal just get away. As the hounds tore into their flesh and licked their bloody chops in delight, there was a rumbling noise coming from the shallow grave that the townspeople buried her in. The witch rose from her shallow grave and was laughing as the hounds devoured the townspeople. The witch said, I told you all that if you entered these woods, you would never leave alive. The witch laughed as their screams and moans echoed through the woods. Amidst the chaos and carnage, the news of the horrific events reached the ears of neighbouring towns. The tales spread like wildfire, carrying with them the scent of death. Fear that gripped Linville. Whispers of the malevolent witch and her demon hounds began to fuel the darkest imaginations of those who heard the stories. The woods, that had once been a peaceful escape for the townspeople, were now deemed a forbidden place, shrouded in terror. Out of the shadows emerged a figure unlike any other, a witch unternamed, Emon van Helm. He travelled far and wide, seeking out supernatural threats that plagued innocent lives. His reputation was as skilled and fearless. Well, as the Archon preceded him, 
and his heart was set on liberating Linville from the clutches of the vengeful witch and her hellish companions. Eamon's arrival was like a glimmer of hope in the midst of despair. Armed with knowledge passed down through generations of witch hunters, he had an array of enchanted weapons and potent spells at his disposal. The townspeople, desperate for salvation, rallied behind him, their fear-driven determination renewed by the sight of a true champion. With his grim demeanour and stern expression, Eamon addressed the frightened villagers. Fear not, for I am here to put an end to the torment that has befallen your town. But to succeed, I need your trust and cooperation. This witch and her hounds are powerful, but they can be defeated. We shall strike back against the darkness that plagues these woods. Guided by Eamon's unwavering resolve, the townspeople prepared for a confrontation like no other. They gathered silver weapons, blessed amulets, and torches infused with potent herbs. All tools they hoped would aid them against the supernatural forces they were about to face. Eamon shared his insights about the witch's weaknesses, cautioning them about her manipulation and the importance of standing united against her tricks. As the sun dipped below the horizon, casting long shadows across the cursed woods, Eamon led the townspeople toward the heart of darkness. The forest seemed to absorb their every footstep, muffling their breaths and heightening their senses. The howls of the demon hounds echoed ominously, a chilling reminder of the danger that lay ahead. The encounter was fierce and brutal. The townspeople fought with a determination they had never known, and Eamon's strategy leadership proved invaluable. His enchanted arrows pierced through the hounds' fiery gaze, causing them to falter and retreat. But the witch, sensing her impending defeat, unleashed their most potent spells. Shadows twisted and danced, and illusions clouded the minds of the villagers. Yet Eamon stood firm, wielding ancient incantations and wielding silvered weapons with precise practical precision. His expertise in battling the supernatural was evident as he shattered the witch's illusions and called upon divine protection to shield his comrades. Together, they broke through the bewitching defences and cornered the witch. The final confrontation crackled with raw energy. Spells clashed and silver met sorcery in a battle that seemed to ripple through the very fabric of the woods. Eamon's determination was unyielding, and he channeled the collective will of the townspeople into a single decisive blow. With a blinding flash, the witch's malevolent power shattered, her body crumbling to ash. As the witch fell, her hold on the demon hounds was broken. The hounds, no longer controlled by a dark influence, whined and backed away, retreating into the depths of the woods. The victors met with a mixture of relief and exhaustion, the air thick with the scent of victory the memories of those lost. Linville's woods were no longer a realm of terror, but a place where the townspeople could once again find solace. Eamon Van Helm, the witch hunter, had delivered on his promise, earning the town's eternal gratitude. His name became a legend whispered around campfires, a symbol of courage in the face of darkness. And as the years passed, Linville's children would play freely beneath the canopy of those once dreaded woods.
their laughter a testament to the resilience of the human spirit and the triumph over the forces of pure evil. And the end. Thank you so much for listening to this Drac One Dollar story. I really appreciate it. Please hit the like, share if you can, and if you're not yet subscribed, please consider doing so. Many blessings. Hello everyone, welcome back to my channel and to the Drac Von Stoller collection. We're now going to read Living with the Dead by Drac Von Stoller. Henry loved his family so much he couldn't bear to put them in the cold ground when they died, knowing that would be the last time he would ever get to see and feel their warm embrace. Henry never told his wife Jane his true feelings about if her or their kids passed on, what would happen to them, so he kept his secret bottled up inside. Years passed, and one by one of Henry's three children and wife died under mysterious circumstances. Being that it was so long ago, there was no such thing as DNA testing or significant medical advances that would put Henry under suspicion. The period I'm talking about is the 15th century. Henry and his wife lived in a castle with over a thousand acres. If any tragedy were to happen at Henry's castle, it would take at least a week before a practising physician could arrive by way of horse and carriage. It was evident that Henry was getting sicker and sicker as the days wore on, and he had no intentions of being the first to go and not see his dream come true. So... Henry decided he better act fast. Henry felt, since his body was telling him he may not be around much longer, he would prepare a meal and put arsenic in his family's food. Then he would be able to fulfil his sick fantasy. Finally, the moment had arrived. And as Henry was preparing his wife and three children's meals, their last meal, he added that special seasoning, as in arsenic. Henry came out of the kitchen whistling and placed each family member's plate of death on the table and watched as each one ate the tasty meal of death that he so lovingly prepared for them all. About five minutes into their meal, Henry's wife and children started gasping for breath. They all turned towards Henry and asked, What did you put in our food? Then their heads hit their plates and they were all dead. Henry got up from the table and said, I just wanted to see you all for the last time before I joined you. But Henry was a coward, so putting arsenic in his food wasn't going to happen. So he sat his wife and three children up straight in their chairs, cleaned the food off their faces, and told his dead family he would be going into town to get more food and would be back shortly. When Henry arrived with the food, a friend of his wife was devastated at what she saw, and just as she ran towards the door to get help, Henry opened the door and dropped his food, then chased her through his castle. Henry grabbed a butcher's knife from the kitchen and didn't want her to get out alive to let the secret out. The neighbour's screams echoed throughout the castle. Henry finally caught up with her and grabbed her by the back of the hair and said, Nobody is going to destroy my family. 
the woman screamed and screamed. But Henry knew if she were to escape, his dream secret would out. So with one slit to her throat, she was dead. Then Henry picked up her lifeless body in his arms, as blood was spewing out of her jugular vein, and took her back down the steps to join the rest of his dead family at the dinner table. As Henry sat his neighbour in the chair, he said, Now stop bleeding all over my place. My wife doesn't like to clean up someone else's mess. At this point, Henry couldn't distinguish fantasy from reality, and anyone that knocked upon Henry's castle door, it would be their last. Henry would let the person enter only for them to be killed and placed in an empty chair at the dinner table to join his family, and the rest of the poor souls had entered Henry's castle. Henry was a killing machine, and he said to himself, There's no stopping Henry, the killer. Henry thought it was bulletproof, but he was running out of places to display his skills inside the castle, so he started hanging any new kills over the walls of the castle with a rope around the necks. Finally, one day when Henry was hanging a dead body over the edge of his castle, he lost his balance and fell over the wall and hit his head, first on the ground, ending his killing days forever. With the news of Henry's gruesome demise spreading through the town, the eerie hush settled over the castle and the surrounding area. However, the legend of Henry's anus hats continued to haunt the minds of the townspeople for year to come, years to come. Some claimed to hear whispers and ghostly cries emanated from the castle's walls, while others swore they saw shadowy figures moving about in the moonlight. As time went on, the curiosity and fear surrounding the castle attracted the attention of paranormal investigators. A team of experts in the supernatural, led by Dr. Amelia Hartley, arrived in town to unravel the mysterious quizzings of the townspeople, the ones that shrouded the fortress in all of the paranormal mysteries. The investigators set up their equipment, including electromagnetic field detectors, night vision cameras, audio recording devices, hoping to capture any evidence of lingering spirits. Dr Hartley was no stranger to the unexplained or the inexplicable, having studied various paranormal phenomena through her career. She was both sceptical and fascinated by the stories surrounding Henry's castle. As the team delved deeper into their investigation, they did begin experiencing strange occurrences. Equipment malfunctioned inexplicably. Temperature fluctuations defied natural explanations and eerie whispers seemed to dance on the edge of hearing. Despite the unsettling events, Dr Hartley remained determined to uncover the truth. Late one night, as a storm raged outside, the investigators gathered in the castle's grand home, reviewing the data they had collected. Suddenly, the room was bathed in an otherworldly glow, and a chilling breeze swept through the chamber. A spectral figure materialised before their eyes, its form shifting and contorting. As the investigators watched a mixture of awe and terror, the figure spoke. Its voice a haunting echo of the past. You seek... To expose the darkness that lingers here, it intoned. But beware, for the truth may be more horrifying than you can imagine. Dr Hartley, her heart pounding, mustered her courage and addressed the spirit. Who are you and what happened within these walls? 
The spirit's form twisted, its visage shifting between that of Henry and his victims. I am the collective anguish of those who suffered at his hands, it answered. He reveled in his atrocities, drawing power from fear and pain. But his malevolent reign is over, and yet his malevolence remains. The investigators realised that they were not dealing with a typical haunting. Henry's castle had become a focal point for residue and malevolent energy. Well, this was perpetuated by the dark deeds. The spirit warned that attempting to dispel this energy might unleash an even greater terror upon the world. As the investigators contemplated their next move, a thunderous crash reverberated through the castle. Rushing outside, they were greeted by a scene of utter devastation. The castle's walls had crumbled, revealing a hidden chamber beneath. Inside, they found a shrine-like space filled with macabre artefacts, each seemingly imbued with the lingering energy of Henry's cruelty. The investigators understood that their mission had taken an unexpected turn. Instead of dispelling the energy, they had inadvertently unleashed it by exposing the hidden chamber. The malevolent force swirled around them, a storm of darkness and despair. Just as all seemed lost, Dr Hartley remembered a theory she had encountered in her research, a theory of balance. She realised that the only way to neutralise the energy was to counteract it with a surge of positive emotions. The investigators joined hands, closing their eyes and focusing on feelings of compassion, hope and unity. The chamber trembled as the energy clashed, but gradually the darkness began to dissipate. The storm outside subsided and a sense of tranquillity settled over the castle. When the investigators opened their eyes, they found themselves alone in the chamber, surrounded by the remnants of Henry's malevolence. In the end, the castle stood as a testament of power of human resilience and the potential for light to overcome even the darkest of horrors. Dr Hartley and her team left the castle with a newfound respect for the delicate balance between the seen and unseen, and a realisation that sometimes the most potent spirits are the ones within ourselves. The End Thank you so much for listening to this wonderful story from Drak von Stoller. I really appreciate it. Please hit the like, share if you can, and if you've not yet subscribed, please consider doing so. Many blessings. Hello everyone, welcome back to my channel and to the Drak von Stoller collection. The next story this one now that we're going to do is called The Demon Witch. Life of five-year-old Hilda was everything but rosy growing up in a small village, 17th century Salem, Massachusetts. Her looks were atrocious. She tried to overlook the teasing that was caused by it, but resentment and hatred started growing inside a warm heart. Being that Hilda had an aunt named Helga, that was a practising which only escalated hatred towards her from townspeople. Hilda didn't know her aunt very well, because days after her aunt presented her with a spell book and told her to keep it nearby, should she need it, 
Her aunt was burned at the stake for practising witchcraft. Being that Hilda was just an innocent child, she couldn't comprehend why anyone would want to hurt her aunt. She thought she figured the world was perfect and that no one died until the day her aunt did. And that turned her whole world upside down and turned a child's warm heart to a cold heart overnight. The day after her aunt was burned at the stake, Hilda would have frequent visits by her aunt in her dreams that eventually turned Hilda into a practising witch for years to come. Hilda couldn't shake off that horrible way her aunt died, so she decided she couldn't hold back the pain anymore, and it was time that the townspeople pay what they did to her aunt. Hilda gathered her thoughts, knowing that she is now an adult, and that happened many years ago, but it still haunts her to this day, and the townspeople only made the memory of her aunt's death compound on her hatred that was building up inside of her. Hilda wiped the tears from her eyes and opened the spell book and said an incantation while staring into a dresser mirror, but the tears kept coming. Finally, Hilda decided it was time that the townspeople pay for their despicable behaviour and what she had in mind was going to be hell for them all and she would stop at nothing to make them all pay. She went to her bedroom, opened a top dresser drawer and pulled out the old dusty book that contained spells that her aunt Helga, who was a witch, gave to her when she was a little girl and told her if anyone or anything would try to bring home to her, the spell book would save her from any damage that may try coming her way. Then all of a sudden a voice came out of nowhere saying, Hilda, what is your wish that was so important that you summoned me from the dead? Hilda answered, I summoned you because of what terrible things that the townspeople did to my aunt and me. I know the circumstances, but the pain is too great. I guess I'll burn in hell for it, but there is nothing to look forward to in this life. I know my aunt Helga would be proud of me seeking vengeance on this town that burned her at the stake. So if you don't mind, let's get on with it. As you wish, replied the unknown voice. Hilda's bedroom door flung wide open and a bright white light lit up the whole room. Then seconds later the room was pitch black and then the voice said, Hilda, payback's going to be a bitch for the townspeople and everything and everyone is going to burn for what they've done to you and your aunt. I'll give you the power to make this happen. So go now and may all burn in hell. <laughs> laughed the creepy voice. Hilda was so happy to finally be able to make this town and the people pay for all the hell they brought to her aunt and her family. Before Hilda stepped out through the front door of her home, her appearance wasn't the same, and she was full of pure evil down to her very soul, and her heart that once pumped warm blood into it was now pumping ice-cold blood and burning a burning desire for vengeance. Then she turned away from the mirror. Then a spell was cast on her to make her a hideous-looking witch with powers of fire that would cause death and destruction of anything that crossed her path. 
Hilda's voice was very creepy, with an eerie laugh and eyes that burned fire. Hilda says, Let's get on with it. Burn this place to the ground. Hilda swung open the front door, so hard it fell off its hinges. She stepped outside and went door to door, burning houses to the ground, and people inside were burning alive. They were pleading for their lives to be spared. But Hilda just laughed as the flames got higher and higher, and the screams got louder and louder, until they faded away. Hilda just laughed and said, I hope you're happy with what you've done to me and my aunt. I hope to see you in hell. She also said, I think I smell something burning. Then she would laugh hysterically. <laughs> Hilda got a wish for vengeance for her aunt and got to watch the whole town and people burn up in flames. After the deed was done, Hilda vanished into the depths of hell where she would spend an eternity with her aunt. Helga, but I'm sure Helga and Hilda will be back once the town gets rebuilt to bring the town to their knees and keep burning it down to the ground until it's just a pile of ashes and the property is condemned so no one will ever want to build anything on it ever again unless they wish to watch it, of course, burn right to the ground. The End Thank you for listening to this story from Drac Von Stoller. I really appreciate it. Please hit the like, share if you can, and if you've not yet subscribed, please consider doing so. Many blessings. Hello everyone, welcome back to my channel and to the collection by Drac von Stoller. This story is called Medusa Rises from the Dead. Karen had this idea that she would invite some of her friends over, spend the night at the old forgotten desecrated cemetery in the woods a mile down the country road from her house. The cemetery dates back to the 1700s, with many of the tombstones broken, and a sacrificial altar with bloodstains on it, where many unwilling participants took their last breath. Karen had no idea something evil was left behind at the cemetery. It had been lying dormant for centuries. Karen phoned her friends, Pam and Kathy, to invite them over for a fun night at the graveyard, for telling some ghost stories around a fire with lots of drinking. The girls thought it was a cool idea Karen came up with, especially the drinking part. Karen picked out the night, so the forecast would be just right to set the mood for a spooky night at the graveyard. The night finally arrived and it was midnight. The girls piled into Karen's car with the music pounding. Karen said, Anyone ready for a beer? And they all said, hell yeah. They gulped down their beers as the cold wind blew against their faces. Pam said, I think I see the cemetery up ahead. The wind was picking up and thunder rolled in. The lightning lit up the sky. The girls were getting pretty drunk, but didn't care about the thunder and lightning. All they thought about was actually getting drunk. And, of course, telling ghost stories around the fire. Karen parked outside the cemetery. The girls grabbed a case of beer out of the trunk 
opened the rusty gate, then entered with excited faces, making their way to the altar to set up a camp for the night. Kathy said, Man, this place is sh- creepy. Pam chimed in and said, Look, girls, this must be the altar. It still has blood stains on it. Those poor people must have suffered greatly. I'm thinking about it, then shivers up and down my spine. We barely made it inside the cemetery. You're already scared, laughed Karen. No, I'm not, replied Pam. Kathy came up behind Pam and said, Boo! Pam just about jumped out of her pants and screamed. Kathy laughed and said, Be quiet, you might wake the dead. Ha ha, real funny, replied Pam. Settle down, you two. Let's gather some firewood and get this party started, exclaimed Karen. The girls forgot to bring a tent, but were smart enough to bring the sleeping bags along. As the fire was blazing and the girls were drinking their beer and telling ghost stories in a drunken state of mind, Kathy said, Look, beside the altar, it looks like a book. Kathy got up to get a closer look. Sure enough, everyone was right. Kathy picked up the book and brought it back to the fire, dusted off the dirt in case there was any writing on the cover. Kathy tried to make out the writing on the cover, but all she could see was the book of the duh. She laughed and decided to open the book, see if there was anything worth reading. Pam and Karen were giggling and talking about some boy. Then all of a sudden Kathy said, wait a minute, listen to what it says. It says how to bring back someone from the dead. I know just the person. Remember the story you told me about Medusa, who could turn people into stone, Karen? Yeah, replied Karen. Let's see if we can bring her back, said Kathy. Medusa? Why her? asked Pam. I don't know. Maybe because everyone either asks for Bloody Mary or a dead relative, etc. But I've never heard of bringing Medusa back from the dead, said Kathy in excitement. Karen chimed in and said, go ahead. Kathy, bring her back from the dead, laughed Karen. Kathy said the magic words, but after five minutes, no Medusa. She threw the book at the altar and downed a few more beers with her friends and said, I think you guys are right about laughing at the idea of bringing someone back from the dead. Once they're a stiff, always a stiff. Let's tell a few more ghost stories while we're roasting marshmallows over this fire before we're too drunk to tell any more, said Pam. Then a few minutes later, Karen passed out drunk. Pam and Kathy said, it doesn't take much for Karen to get drunk. Then fog was coming in from behind the altar. Pam asked Kathy, where's this smoke rising behind the altar? It's just smoke from the fire, stupid, laughed Kathy. No, it's more than just smoke. Something's glowing in the smoke, explained Pam, her voice getting nervous. Go check it out. Or are you too scared? said Kathy. Yeah, I'm too scared, replied Pam. Stay here, chicken. I'll check it out. Kathy staggered over to the altar with a beer in her hand and said, Come out, come out wherever you are. See, there's nothing, said Kathy, as she gulped down her beer and tossed her empty beer can at the smoke. Kathy turned to go back to the fire, then all of a sudden the smoke cleared, and Medusa's head appeared and said, who has summoned me from the dead? Kathy screamed. 
but it was too late to run for cover. She made the mistake of gazing upon Medusa's face and turned to stone. Pam shook Karen as she was screaming, but Karen was passed out for good. Pam ran to the car to escape Medusa, but Medusa wasn't about to let her escape. Pam was able to make it inside the vehicle, but Medusa's head appeared in the front passenger seat of the car. Pam screamed and screamed again, trying to get the keys in the ignition, but she was shaking too violently, and the keys hit the floorboard. Medusa said, look at me. Pam screamed, no! Medusa's power was too strong for Pam to ignore. She closed her eyes tight and prayed for Medusa to spare her life. But her eyes opened wide and she screamed. Then she turned to stone. Medusa's head fluttered back inside the cemetery and made its way back to the fire where Karen was passed out. Karen finally awoke from her drunken state. And as her eyes opened, Medusa's head was inches from her face. Medusa said, the dead isn't always dead as you think they are. Medusa laughed. Karen didn't have time to react and escape the hell that was unleashed. So she turned to stone just like her two friends did. A lesson to be learned. If you open the book of the dead and you think it's all a joke, think again. This book is serious as a heart attack and should be left alone. Unless, of course, you're not afraid. Of the dead. The end. And that is the next story by Drac Von Stoller. Please hit the like, share if you can, and if you've not yet subscribed, please consider doing so. Many blessings.